G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. We're turning our attention today to the idea of political correctness. It's the idea that forcing people to use certain words or certain behaviours creates an environment that, you know, won't offend other people or groups. We often use those words political correctness or PC when we see someone or an organisation going out of their way not to offend. Well, it's become almost impossible to have an open discussion about race, sexuality, climate change or, say, issues like Islamic fundamentalism without being aware of a dense fog of political correctness. So if you have some sort of contribution or criticism of multiculturalism, you're xenophobic or a racist. Or if you argue that marriage is between a man and a woman, you're homophobic, heteronormative, a bigot. And if you argue against gender transitioning, you're transphobic. Well, we're going to deepen our conversation today around what might be considered the sinister side to the pressure to be politically correct. Our special guest today has released a book about the chilling reality of what's happening to our language at uh, being manipulated by various groups, and he's explored the dangerous history behind it. Dr. Kevin Donnelly says political correctness is enforcing group think and destroying our language. Kevin Donnelly leads the Education Standards Institute. He's not afraid of straight talk. He's not afraid of dividing opinion on the big challenges facing Australians. His latest book is called A Politically Correct Dictionary and Guide and available from his website at kevindonnelly.com.au. We'll talk about some of the issues in that book today. But Kevin Donnelly, a special welcome back to 2020. Always a pleasure. Kevin, as we get this conversation underway and wanting to include listeners, shortly we'll open our talkback call, uh, calls, but, uh, but there is an online question that listeners can respond to. A uh, simple one. Has it become too difficult to engage in conversations about race, sexuality, climate change or immigration? And uh, listeners can respond on our, uh, on our uh, Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash vision radio. Let's come to the biggest issue that's really just not just come to light. I mean, it's bub- bubbled along now for a number of years, but uh, Tennis Australia on the weekend, uh, there's one headline actually that describes what happened with uh, Margaret Court. Sky News uh, uh, apparently using the headline, uh, more proud of gender-neutral toilets than Margaret Court. <laughs> <laughs> what were your thoughts for uh, the developments on the weekend? I mean, uh, recognising this wonderful woman. Well, I think it's a great shame that uh, simply because Margaret Court has a strong view about the nature of marriage, and she has made that very public, especially during uh, the whole debate about same-sex marriage. So she's a committed Christian, and uh, as uh, Israel Folau is as well, and he got into trouble. He lost uh, his contract with the rugby, Australia rugby. Margaret Court, because she's committed to her faith, 
there's been uh, a campaign to vilify her and to criticise her. Now, obviously, she is a tennis great. She deserves to be recognised uh, for what she's achieved in her career as a tennis player. But because she is not politically correct, because she has the conviction to argue against the prevailing orthodoxy, if you like, this cultural left view that gender and sexuality are fluid and you can be whatever you want. And because she has that commitment, she's being attacked. And uh, it got to one stage earlier in the year where there was an argument that they should rename the uh, court at Melbourne and take her name off that court. Interestingly, another tennis legend, uh, John McEnroe, had a video released over the weekend and labelled Margaret Court Australia's crazy aunt. Uh, So you get into this name-calling, and uh, I'll ask you your thoughts on uh, being PC with all of that, but uh, John McEnroe's urged Serena Williams. He said, do us a favour and win two more Grand Slams this year so we can leave Margaret Court and her offensive views in the past where they both belong. So uh, you've got this sort of idea of, uh, you know, you're a, you're a relic of the past, uh, you're a dinosaur, you're a crazy aunt. Uh, these sorts of, you know, this is another name-calling. This is a part of the PC culture too, isn't it? It is, and uh, in the dictionary, and you've mentioned that, that was published late last year, one of, there are over 200 words and expressions, and one of them is Christian phobia. And what that refers to is among a people who are secular fundamentalists or secular critics who, who have a dislike of Christianity in particular. There's a view there that if you express a view based on your religion, then you're somehow open to personal attack. So instead of looking at the argument rationally or being uh, logical, what happens, as you mentioned, that people are vilified and attacked personally. Now, I reviewed the national curriculum uh, in 2014. A number of, over hundreds of submissions argued there should be a greater focus on Christianity in subjects like history and literature and music. And because I agreed with that, I made my views known. I uh, was attacked and vilified in the Twitter sphere, as they call it, uh, as being... Uh, a pedophile as being uh, dangerous, as being uh, worst of all, being Christian. Okay, name-calling is a part of the PC world. Uh, Let's talk about language overall because the idea that controlling language uh, is an exercise of power. Uh, Language is very powerful. It's very important. You are a master wordsmith yourself. Uh, The idea of using language, uh, of course, it does influence and has the power to manipulate. It does. And uh, when I taught uh, literature, uh, for many years I taught literature, one of the favourite novels that I always wanted the the, uh, students to read was George Orwell, 1984. Now, your listeners might know the book and... Orwell talks about Big Brother, this totalitarian regime, where Winston in particular, the character there, the central character, what Big Brother does is to control language. And uh, there's an expression that war is peace, freedom is slavery. And what Orwell was saying was based on Stalin's Russia, but also Hitler's Nazi Germany, that what totalitarian regimes do 
is to use language to control how people can communicate, how they think, how they relate to one another and to the wider world. Because if you're incapable of using language in an objective way, a balanced way, a rational way, if it becomes all about ideology and uh, based on uh, cultural left ideology in particular, then Orwell was making the point that's how totalitarian regimes dominate and keep control. But the anti-Christian, uh, some describe it as a cultural Marxist perspective, will say that George Orwell's 1984 was just a work of fiction. It was just a story about a farmyard. Uh, but the reality, of course, here is uh, the reason why that's a classical piece of literature is that uh, is that the parallels are so uh, so significant. Uh, they're also a warning, aren't they, for uh, for generations? They are, and as you mentioned in your introduction, uh, anybody who dares to question the rate of immigration into Australia or to question or be critical of multiculturalism you're immediately attacked as xenophobic or racist. So instead of addressing the argument, what the cultural left does is to shut down the debate and vilify the person attacking the man, or, if you like, ad hominem attacks. And uh, whether it's multiculturalism, I mean, same-sex marriage, the whole debate we had, anybody who argued in favour of a Christian view of marriage, as you said, was attacked as heteronormative or homophobic or anybody uh, more recently who argues that uh, boys can be boys, girls can be girls, and that uh, schools should not be teaching safe schools, which is all about gender fluidity and transitioning. Anybody who criticises that, they're condemned as transphobic. So what happens is uh, we're now living... And it's not just, not just Australia, it's America and England and Europe. Anybody who questions the prevailing orthodoxy, the dominant way of thinking, is condemned and vilified. Uh, Kevin, 2020, the year ahead. Uh, what are your predictions for just how heated this PC argument, this PC controversy, this PC debate, how heated is it going to get this year, particularly since the government will be considering its religious freedom regis- uh, legislation? Uh, what are your predictions for the year ahead? Well, it's a, a, a deep concern, not just uh, me. For, for example, uh, the Australian Catholic, uh, the archbishops uh, put out a, a paper on this only recently where there's, as did the Anglican uh, bishops and other religious groups, when you look at the freedom of religion legislation, the danger is that it won't go far enough in protecting religious uh, beliefs, religious rights. Now, whether it's uh, doctors and nurses not being uh, not being uh, criticised or not being disadvantaged because they won't carry out a certain procedure like an abortion or uh, transgendering, uh, helping young kids to transgender, or whether it's a a Catholic school that wants to teach a Christian view about uh, what marriage is, the danger is that the legislation, if it's watered down, as many secular critics want it to be, then we really will be in a position where there's no longer freedom of religion, freedom of conscience. 
So as the debate develops this year and religious freedom is in the spotlight, we're going to be hit with a barrage of politically correct language. And we're going to talk some more about that. And I just want to draw attention to the book that you've released just recently, uh, Kevin Donnelly, A Politically Correct Dictionary and Guide. And I might say that the front cover has uh, the best illustration of uh, of what it is to uh, hear politically correct language because your book has been illustrated by Johannes Leek, a wonderful cartoonist, and uh, who has put his finger on the pulse when he comes to this. Let me just say uh, this is the cartoon. It's a picture of a doctor holding up a newborn baby. And look... It's a baby boy, but he announces to the mother and the father. He says, it's a phallocentric, binary, carbon-emitting, heteronormative member of the Eurocentric, white supremacist, Judeo-Christian, imperialist patriarchy. So that uh, gives you an idea, doesn't it? Uh, Politically correct language. You've taken that to an extreme there, but you know we can see ourselves in all of that, can't we, as we're trying to say the right things at the right times? We can, and... uh In the second part of the book, I trace the origins of what I call political correctness. Uh, And it's a much larger battle of ideas, if you like, that what happened in Germany during the 1920s and 30s was that uh, a number of Marxist academics, they realised there would never be a revolution in the West. Uh, People were not going to storm the barricades. So what they argued was to take the long march through the institutions. Now, whether it's church or family or university or school, what's happened since the 1930s is that the cultural left, as I call them, have been very successful in dominating uh, universities and schools in particular and really controlling what is taught. Uh, A good example is Sydney University, where there is a subject all about white supremacism. And you only have to look at what happened to the Ramsey Centre for Western Civilization, where a number of universities refused to establish that, to take the donation, because they argued it was Eurocentric, it was patriarchal, all of this language. So it's part of a broader battle, what uh, John Howard used to call the culture wars, And I think that has to be understood. This is 2020 with Neil Johnson, helping you make sense of life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 on Vision. Our special guest this hour is Kevin Donnelly. He leads the Education Standards Institute and his latest book called A Politically Correct Dictionary and Guide. And you can get a hold of that, kevindonnelly.com.au. You can also join in our conversation, our talkback line open today, 1-800-316-316. You can also leave a note on our Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash vision radio. Ask the question there, has it become too difficult to engage in conversations about race, sexuality, climate change or immigration? particularly when you are bringing a Christian perspective into those conversations. Kevin Donnelly, let me ask you about another really current and uh, an issue that's been bubbling along, especially over the Australia Day long weekend. Of course, there was an Australia Day honours list over that weekend and a few controversial things there with various ones who've been honoured. What were your thoughts about uh, names that appeared there? Well, one uh, in particular, Bettina Arndt, who is a woman who, over the last few years in particular, 
has written a lot about uh, this whole idea of uh, family violence or gender. But she, unlike the majority of people in this field, she argues while domestic violence is a very much a concern as far as women are, con- uh, uh, are involved, men also need to be uh, in the equation. So Bettina Arndt has defended uh, men and uh, she argues, unlike a lot of the programs going into schools at the moment, like respectful relationships and safe schools, that really characterise men as misogynists, to use their language, uh, Bettina defends men and, and says, in fact, while it is an issue, we have to be balanced here. Now, she also says that when you look at uh, the move to what she calls emasculate men, especially young boys, through what's being taught in schools, it has a very uh, dangerous impact, especially on young boys. Instead of being proud of who they are or happy with their gender and sexuality, they're taught that there's something wrong with them. Now, what happened there is she was appointed as a member of the Order of Australia and she was immediately vilified in the Twitter sphere on all these social networking sites. So there have been hundreds and hundreds of uh, quite uh, personal, quite rude, quite aggressive uh, messages directed at her. And I just find it, and this is the hypocrisy here, that all of those who are very critical of Bettina aren't for her views. They're very happy to accept the fact that the Australian uh, musician Nick Minchin he received an award as well. And this is a musician who uses foul language, uh, foul expletives in his music, who has vilified and made uh, fun of Cardinal Pell, who's obviously anti-Christian. But when somebody gets an award who embodies those secular values, those cultural left values, no problem. The only issue, the only time you're attacked is if you're someone like Bettina Arndt, or has happened to me, when you uh, put forward a view counter to being politically correct, that you get into trouble. Okay, so you have a musician like Tim Minchin, and uh, for the sorts of things that we might be critical about on a program like this, but this illustrates, doesn't it, where politically correct language has gone, what it is to be PC, because you've got those who will celebrate his... Uh, his musicianship, uh, the way that he expresses himself and uh, in a free opportunity that he has to be able to do that, he uh, takes advantage of that fully. So you've got this side that supports him and you've got the side then that, you know, that same side is now against Bettina Arndt and uh, the way that she might have an opportunity to make an expression and uh, as a woman who defends men, she's not politically correct. This brings us to this whole issue of group think because you've got a nation that's being divided here. You mentioned words like culture wars. You've got this division between two sides and they do seem to be intensifying in their polarity. They're, they're uh, becoming one against the other and, uh, uh, you know, posturing and, and uh, you know, but one side seems to be getting all the headlines and the other doesn't. And I guess that's the media taking sides with the left. Uh, what are your thoughts on this word, these words group think? because this is where uh, PC leads. Uh, well, I mentioned previously George Orwell and uh, 
he makes the point that groupthink is what happens when people are indoctrinated uh, or conditioned, if you like. And uh, it's it's uh, fascinating when you look at the history of this, that whether it's uh, Hitler in Nazi Germany or Mussolini in fascist Italy or even Pol Pot in Cambodia or even uh, Mao Zedong in China, what these dictators to do through their party apparatus, they take control of the media, they take control of the schools and universities, and they ensure that the only thing that is taught or the only thing that gets to air is what they want. So you get a very blinkered ideological view of issues. Now, the irony here, of course, is that in Australia, many of those on the cultural left argue that everybody should have the right to voice an opinion. They do argue uh, in, in favour of freedom of speech. But if you dare to question their orthodoxy, then you're condemned. And I find that ironic, if not hypocritical. I mean, a good example would be uh, someone like Tony Abbott uh, back in the day uh, when he was a politician. He argued against uh, late-term abortion. He, uh, Kevin Andrews is another example, the federal politician down here in Melbourne. He argued against euthanasia. Now, immediately that happened. They were attacked as God-botherers or as Christians. Somehow that is something that we're not allowed to be in the public square. And this is part of the broader issue of the culture wars, that what it is directed at is to stop, it's to actually silence Christians in the public arena. They don't want people like me to be heard. Kevin, why is it that the left is so much better at doing the PC language thing, uh, better at getting the group think uh, than those who are on the other side? Uh, or you could, you know, when you talk about the left, uh, sometimes the other side are con- called conservatives. Uh, what? Do you, why is the left so much better at doing this, uh, using these words as weapons? As I mentioned uh, previously, if you trace it back, as I have and others have, uh, the beginnings of political correctness and the culture wars as such more broadly. It goes back to the 1920s and 1930s in Germany. And many of these academics uh, moved on to to universities in America, Australia, uh, in the United Kingdom. And they've been very successful in taking what uh, Antonio Gramsci, the Italian Marxist, called the Long March. You only have to look at... Uh, and it's not as uh, extreme, obviously, but if you look at what was the Fairfax Press, the Age in Melbourne, the uh, Sydney Morning Herald, if you look at the ABC, uh, shows like Q&A or their morning shows, their national radio, it's very rare to find a conservative spokesman or uh, a conservative uh, announcer. What they do, even on Q&A every, every Sunday, they might have a panel of three or four but only one will be a conservative. What the left has done very successfully is to take a long-term view and to enter into uh, the public square to take control. And frankly, John Howard as Prime Minister was aware of this, but he was probably the last, uh, what I would call, conservative politician in Australia who fully realised what was happening and tried to do something. 
But even he uh, found it impossible to make the ABC balanced. And part of it is, I think, Liberal governments generally think more about the economy, about finance, about foreign affairs. They don't really look at things like education and universities as an area that they should be involved in. While we're talking Prime Ministers and uh, all those uh, accolades there for John Howard, I know some listeners will be saying, well, uh, what does Kevin Donnelly think of our current Prime Minister, Scott Morrison, who's uh, a Christian and uh, is a Conservative, made reference to the quiet Australians on uh, winning the election there last year. Uh, What are your thoughts on his uh, ability to be able to negotiate the PC world, this idea of groupthink? Uh, You know, you can still be, in some sense, a Christian and as a leader, and you can still be sort of influenced by this political correctness. What are your thoughts about Scott Morrison? I think the jury's out, uh, if I can use that expression. I mean, I was very uh, comfortable, and I think uh, the so-called quiet Australians uh, supported uh, Scott Morrison when he was shown on TV uh, practising his religious faith in in his church. Uh, So he's a Christian who's... He has the strength and the conviction to be public about his beliefs, and I think that's a good thing. That's beneficial. Uh, there was one incident when I think in Parliament House there was they were going to put up notices about transgender toilets instead of just having a male or a female toilet. They wanted a third category, transgender, and he very quickly knocked that on the head. And I thought that was a good thing. Uh, but the jury's out. I mean. I think the Prime Minister over the last six, 12 months has been very much caught up with uh, balancing the budget, as they promised to do, uh, a number of overseas uh, trips where he's had to negotiate Brexit with uh, what's happened in, in Europe and, and England, and also more recently the bushfires and, and the tragedies uh, involved in the drought. So, uh, as I say... They've got another, I think, two years to go in government, and I hope they do turn their mind to this broader issue of uh, the culture wars because it's an area, and uh, some of you would know Abraham Lincoln, the president of the United States all those years ago. Uh, He famously said, Abraham Lincoln, that what happens in the classroom will be the policy of government in the next generation because... You only have to look at things like uh, the way they've taught gender and sexuality now or climate change to see the impact that's had on young people uh, in terms of, I would argue, conditioning young people to have a view based very much on cultural left ideology and very emotional, but not based on logical reason. And a good example of that are those young 10, 12-year-old girls who were involved on the Friday, I think it was, a series of climate-based strikes, who were seen crying on TV saying they could never have a baby because the world was about to end. So it's that kind of indoctrination we have to be fearful of. Kevin, just before we continue and develop our conversation here a little more, uh, some of the other terminology that you have in your dictionary and guide, uh, what a few more of the, the words that, uh, uh, that listeners will certainly uh, resound with uh, when, you, uh, when you talk about political correctness? 
Well, I mean, one good example is uh, what's called gender-neutral language. You might remember, and your listeners might, uh, Qantas, I think it was over a year ago, uh, the guide to their staff said that they should not talk about mum and dad uh, when they're talking to people, passengers on the plane, uh, because that was enforcing a binary, uh, patriarchal, misogynist, they're all the words they use in, in the dictionary, view of marriage. Uh, another one, there's a, in the public service in Victoria, uh, they had a whole day for the public service where they were told they could not use the pronouns he or she, that if they were talking to people or writing, they had to use they, which is obviously plural, but they had to use they instead of he or she because to use he or she is to give the impression that people are either boys or girls, uh, women or men. So it's really quite absurd. Uh, It becomes nonsensical. I mean, the research I've looked at, over 98% of Australians identify as either female or male, but what is happening with this political correctness movement is that it's trying to take control of our language, take control of how we interact with one another. And uh, another example would be, uh, you know, we've had the whole debate about Australia Day just recently. Uh, some Aboriginal activists say we can't celebrate Australia Day because it's Eurocentric and it's an example of genocide. Now, again, it's a highly emotional argument that bears no relationship to what actually happened. Okay, taking calls on 1-800-316-316 and you can leave a note on our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash vision radio. Let me just uh, go through a few thoughts here. We might uh, stop on some those comments that have come from listeners on Facebook. Terence says, I think we've lost the art of respectfully disagreeing and it's been replaced by I'm offended by that. Narell says, yes, it has. Free speech, unless very derogatory, should be welcomed. We've had Wendy, who says, whoever Australian doing great for Australia deserved recognition and support. She's talking about Margaret Court here. She says, I found Tennis Australia acting weird as they seem dictated by outsider Australia, such as John McEnroe. Wendy, thank you for that contribution. That's interesting, isn't it? Because on the Margaret Court issue and Tennis Australia, uh, the big reporting and everybody's been looking at the comments made by John McEnroe. So someone who's from outside of Australia and uh, someone with a bit of a rogue uh, tennis background too. And, uh, you know, the man who lost it so many times on the court, uh, you know, he's uh, he's the one who's being uh, lauded by uh, by the left for his comments about Margaret Court. Any of those comments that have come from listeners, what are your thoughts on some of those uh, uh, as we go, Kevin? Well, one of the uh, ideas I put forward in the book is that uh, many years ago when I went through school and university, the, the uh, assumption was that you had fair and reasonable argument and debate and you had to be rational I remember many years ago I did matriculation, which was the old year 12 certificate, and we studied clear thinking. Now, we were taught uh, as students to be rational, logical, and that if you attacked the person, that was wrong. If you were highly emotional, that was wrong. 
And when I was doing the research on the book, I came across the quote. Uh, I think it was the philosopher Descartes who said, I think, therefore I am. And that was part of the Enlightenment movement uh, about how we should uh, argue and, and debate. What's happened more recently is that's been turned upside down. So a lot of young people in particular, what they do is they don't think rationally. They have this view, well, if I feel it's true, I must be correct. And I gave that example of a 10, 12-year-old uh, couple of girls who said the world was going to end in 25 years because of global warming. So they would not get married and have children. Now, there's no rational uh, basis for that argument that they feel they have to put it, they feel as though they're correct. And, uh, and that's part of the danger. Okay, one eight hundred three sixteen three sixteen. If you'd like to have your say, and you can also make your comment on Facebook dot com forward slash Vision Radio. Jared says the likelihood, and he's talking here about Margaret Court again. Uh, the likelihood of her speaking about LGBT community was very low. Uh, she was there as a tennis legend. It's interesting, isn't it? Because Tennis Australia did appear uh, in not letting her actually make a speech. They did appear quite fearful that she might say something that might, uh, you know, stir up a hornet's nest. Uh, any thoughts for uh, for the idea that, you know, the left is paranoid about someone who might be conservative uh, or Christian, as is Margaret Court, a, a great Christian leader uh, about her actually saying something that might uh, might actually uh, you know win a few more fans. The the issue here, and uh, I've talked about it for some years now, as as others have. Uh, the English philosopher Roger Scruton only died recently, but uh, he's written a number of books about uh, what's happening around the English speaking world, whether it's America or England or Australia or New Zealand. And he argues what's happening is that people who disagree, people who are politically incorrect, are silenced or attacked. And it's very difficult now, he makes the point, for academics in universities. And I'm at the Australian Catholic University, so I'm actually fortunate to be here because uh, we are committed to open and free debate. But there are some universities here and overseas, that if you're an academic and you don't toe the line, uh, then you are in danger of either losing your job or not being promoted or, or not getting uh, research grants. You might remember Peter Ridd, who was at James Cook University in Queensland, I think it was. He questioned the uh, impact of global warming, of carbon-induced global warming on the Great Barrier Reef. And he lost his job and in the end had to uh, take it to court and sue the university. So the problem here is, as, as I've mentioned, what's happening in our schools and universities. And it's uh, not just universities, it's primary and secondary schools as well. Young kids are being indoctrinated and anyone who disagrees would find it very difficult <laughs> to have a conversation in the staff room, for example, because they would be seen as not towing the party line. 
Okay, I want to ask you in just a moment uh, if there's some sort of antidote to the politically correct world we live in. Uh, another listener responded on Facebook, Jane, said uh, when talking about Tennis Australia and uh, with regards to the controversy around Margaret Court, uh, Jane Louise says they showed just how inclusive they are by not allowing her to speak. And uh, there is this issue here where it's obvious hypocrisy that comes from uh, the left. And, and this uh, this point, uh, you know, uh, including Tennis Australia in there, obvious hypocrisy in the way that uh, that people are being a critic of uh, talking about this word inclusive. Uh, is there an antidote? Is calling it out as hypocrisy, does that actually help at all, do you think, Kevin? It definitely does. And... Uh I mean, I think uh, the recent federal election uh, illustrated this, that most Australians uh, have their feet on the ground. Uh, There's a lot of common sense, and uh, people understand, I think, uh, if they're being pushed to believe something uh, unfairly, they'll react against that. I mean, a good example would be uh, Archbishop Porteous in Hobart, Tasmania, the Catholic, uh, he sent out to Catholic schools the the pamphlet putting the Christian view about marriage. And uh, he was threatened with being taken before the Human Rights Commission. And, and that was disgraceful. Uh, another was Bill Leake. You might remember the cartoonist with the Australian who only died recently. But uh, he did a cartoon that people saw as disparaging of Aboriginals and again he was attacked and vilified and I think he had to change his phone and change his internet address because he was fearful of what was being said about him. The the, the, the problem here is that we're getting to a stage not as bad as, as communist Russia or, or Mao's China or uh, Hitler's Germany but we're getting to a stage where anybody who dares to question or anybody who is critical of this groupthink, is uh, in danger of being vilified, of losing their job, uh, as Israel allowed it. And, of course, Christians, right there in the firing line, because Christians will acknowledge that the Bible contains things that are not going to change, never going to change, and someone who puts their faith in Christ is going to acknowledge that those things in the Bible uh, represent God's wisdom, and uh, we would even go so far as to say those things represent truth. Uh, interesting, another comment from a listener, Anna Marie, who says the latest saying for those who hate the good news of the gospel is, I feel unsafe. Uh, you might have heard that too. I'll get your thoughts here, Kevin Donnelly. Uh, people who are uh, you know, around Christians who, because someone might name the name of Christ, uh, might say that they are a Christian, a follower of uh, Jesus Christ, uh, and they're saying they feel unsafe because they're around a Christian or feeling unsafe because someone might actually share some wisdom from the Bible. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I've not uh, had that experience myself. I mean, when I talk about Christianity or the Bible uh, in, in relation to things like gender and sexuality or, or, or marriage, generally people just say to me, well, uh, that that's only your view. Uh, you, you're not talking any truth. It's only the Bible, and, and the Bible is only a text. 
and this is what's happened with the way they teach literature now in our universities, that uh, something like the Bible is deconstructed or analysed in terms of power relationships. So the secular view would be that the Bible is just like any other text, whether it's uh, a play or a novel or a poem or even, uh, you know, uh, an SMS message. And so what's happening is that the... And you mentioned the word truth. That's no longer seen, the Bible, as the word of God. It's simply seen as some uh, Eurocentric, patriarchal, you know, uh, white supremacist view. And I know there are one or two uh, Christian schools, and I won't name them, that with the Lord's Prayer, for example, they, they don't want to say, they're teaching children not to say, our Father who art in heaven, because they see that as, uh, as heteronormative. So the attacks are coming against Christians, coming against Christian schools, uh, Christian uh, higher uh, education facilities. So the Bible is not politically correct anymore. So how does the ordinary Christian, do you think, Kevin Donnelly, negotiate this way forward? Uh, you really are going to come across some sort of opportunity at some stage or other to uh, to enter into the fray by saying, I'm a Christian and I believe that the Bible contains the truth of God. Uh, you're going to be stepping on a few toes when you do that. Uh, is there any sort of, you know, any thoughts uh, for how Christians, uh, you think they ought to be standing up and being uh, bold, being strong, uh, not being swayed by the, the whole uh, PC debate? Well, uh, I mean, I, I, I have had, I've asked, well, people have asked me this question before, and I've given the answer, uh, and we can talk about this if you like, but I do believe if you're committed to the Word of God, that you can rely on the grace of God, that God's grace can be something that gives you in your own life uh, a sense of purpose and direction and a sense of holding on to and believing in something more uh, eternal and something more spiritual and transcendent. So Christians need to be committed to their faith. And the other thing here that's of great interest, I think, uh, in The Australian only uh, a month or two ago, it looked at the enrolments around Australia in terms of schools and the greatest or the largest enrolment has been in Christian schools. Now, whether that's in Melbourne or Sydney or Brisbane or the Gold Coast, uh, parents are voting with their feet, if you like, and now looking for an education where there is a strong sense of virtues, a strong sense of morality based on the Bible. So I think uh, I'm optimistic that people uh, are beginning to understand what the danger is and how, as Christians, they need to enter the public square and not be fearful of, of putting a point of view. Interesting, that terminology, group think. And when you say that there are, you know, just an increasing number uh, all the time, uh, parents enrolling their children into Christian schools because they're interested in a different world view than what is being presented uh, by the other side on their group think. So group think itself, I imagine, is not 
altogether a negative word because people who are thinking the same way, wanting their children to be educated with the same values, uh, people who are wanting to acknowledge God. I mean, there is a certain sense in which, uh, in which you know, people listening to this conversation today on uh, on a Christian radio network around Australia, there's a certain sense in which there's something that's happening that's helping people to think with a common cause in mind. Uh, that's got to be a powerful thing. And somehow or other, you've got to be determined to align yourself with that uh, rather than just be someone who sits on the fence. True. And, uh, I mean, uh, the way I distinguish between the cultural left and whether it's Marxism or what's now a rainbow alliance of different theories, the way I distinguish between the cultural left and more conservative uh, Christian view is that I was always taught when I was growing up, uh, when I did uh, communion and confirmation as a Catholic, that we had the choice, that God did not dictate as Mao Zedong or Hitler or uh, Pol Pot would. I mean, the thing about the cultural left is they enforce their groupthink with fear, often violence, whereas to be a Christian is to understand free choice and that we do have a conscience, we do have a soul, and that we have to make that decision if there are issues that we address based on the teachings of God, but we do have that freedom to choose. Uh, the idea that it's so easy to tear down the great institutions, the great traditions, the great values that have made a nation like Australia a great nation, and, uh, you know, don't say that lightly. Uh, we live here and uh, we love Australia. We are a great nation, but very easy to tear down those traditions, uh, not so easy to build them up again. So this idea of a little bit of vigilance... A diligence to actually defending uh, some of those things that keep us free, keep us having a, a conscience that is open to the will and the wisdom of God. Uh, these things have got to be maintained, haven't they? They certainly do. And, uh, I mean, I use the example of parliaments around Australia, beginning with the Lord's Prayer. And there are the Greens Party, there are many within the Labor Party who want to stop doing that. Uh, they want a secular, uh, a secular speech or they don't like the Lord's Prayer. Uh, I mean, we have to be vigilant. I often use the analogy, it's a bit like the air we breathe. Once it's gone, it's too late. And uh, in an increasingly secular age, and this is what is interesting about in England Brexit, a lot of uh, average uh, people uh, who would normally vote Labour voted for the Conservative Prime Minister, Boris Johnson, because they wanted a stronger sense of identity. They didn't want to be part of Europe. Uh, there is a bit of reaction now, whether it's uh, Trump in America. Obviously, uh, he argues, make America great again. Even Scott Morrison, his view about the quiet Australians. There is a bit of a pushback, I think, internationally, against the cultural left and people are beginning to realize that we have to value and acknowledge our institutions and way of life whether it's our westminster parliamentary system or common law or christianity because that they're the very things that protect us and give us the freedom that millions around the world don't don't experience 
Well, Kevin Donnelly, we have run out of time for this conversation today and I look forward to another conversation as we can develop some of these things as we go through the year. Uh, But just to point people to how they can get a hold of your latest book called A Politically Correct Dictionary and Guide. Uh, illustrated by Johannes Leek, as I mentioned, and uh, you can get a hold of that at kevindonnelly.com.au. Uh, go to Kevin's website. You'll be able to order your copy of that book. Uh, buy that. It'll be delivered quickly. kevindonnelly.com.au for a politically correct dictionary and guide. Uh, Kevin, thanks so much for taking some time to share your thoughts with us today on 2020. My pleasure, as always. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.